Hi everyone, this is Joshua Hoffman and welcome to another episode of the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast, where we deconstruct the why and how agency owners found their success and discuss a few things they learned along the way. Today I have Owen Garrity, the founder and lead creative at FPW Media, an award-winning creative studio that creates breathtaking media and beautiful content for a fast-paced world. Welcome, Owen. Thank you, Joshua. It's great to have uh, Thank you for having me. Of course. And I want to start off by talking about uh, this incredible project that we already talked about that you're a part of, which is Lionhearted. Um, can you just kind of tell us more about it and how you got involved? Absolutely. So Lionhearted was a part passion project, part commercial project. Um, we were approached by the creative director of Safariland Group at the time, um, who was one of our clients. And he is a Purple Heart uh, recipient, somebody that I consider a close friend. We've worked together a lot. Um, and he served in Afghanistan and, and came to me with the idea of what if we do a project to uh, tackle mental health uh, in veterans, specifically from Iraq and Afghanistan in the most recent conflicts. Um, at the time, around 22 veterans a day were dying by suicide. And it was something that was barely talked about at that time. And so we worked, my team, uh, myself and, and his team on his side worked to create this story uh, that became Lionhearted, which is we found a veteran artist to go and accompany us and to illustrate these veteran stories on pieces of body armor, right? So Safariland Group makes the body armor plates. And so that was the tie-in, the company tie-in. Um, and so we went and, and interviewed 22 combat veterans all across the country uh, about stories that they had never told in some cases, uh, and then produced it into a um, about a 22-minute uh, mini-documentary, as well as then each individual story was its own standalone piece. And then there was an accompanying art piece that was uh, displayed in the National Veterans Art Museum in Washington, D.C., um, and then actually our our screening happened at the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. as well for the premiere. So it was really an impactful project, um, you know, net aggregate, uh, I think about 5 million views on last count across all the different distribution platforms that it was released on. And it's something that's still, you know, that was in 2018, I believe, when it came out. And it's something that still is talked about and is still brought up um, and, and we get requests and we filmed a couple of companion pieces on after the fact. Um, so it's something that we've tried to keep going as far as fostering that community. That's yeah, no, that's amazing. I, I obviously wanted to start with that. Um, now I want to jump to your college experience because I, I think I understand that you actually dropped out of college to start your company. And we've talked to people. I like talking about college and MBA because people obviously have completely different stories. And therefore, I want to get essentially more as many data points on different people's stories as possible. Um, so, you know, like the last person we, we spoke with, uh, they were getting an MBA essentially just for fun. Uh, they said they wanted to keep learning and everything. You kind of went the other route. Uh, so you dropped out, started the company. And obviously that's like a massive decision. I think I, I wanted to do it. I, uh, was not prepared properly. I even pitched it to my parents and they're like, like, shut the hell up, you know, <laughs> back to school. And they were totally right with that. But obviously I think it sounds like it kind of worked out for you. So what made that final decision to like commit and say like, okay, I do think that this is a good idea. Yeah. So, it, you know, for me, it wasn't as scary of a decision as I think for a lot of people. Um, I was fortunate enough to start doing professional photography when I was 15. 
And so by the time I was out of high school, I was already working in the industry, both on the photography and the marketing side pretty consistently um, and was commuting up to Portland, which is, you know, about two hours from where I live, a bigger city, uh, you know, a couple of times a week while while taking college classes. And it became really evident that um, I was paying to learn a lower level of material than I was already doing and getting paid for. And so it was like, this really doesn't make sense for me at this time. And, you know, obviously it was a, a big decision, but I figured out, well, I can always go back. Um, and then quickly realized uh, as we gained some traction with FPW Media that, um, you know, I could hire specific skill sets that maybe I didn't learn. Um, and I also always like to joke that I've probably fired more MBAs than uh, most people. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it doesn't, it, at least in our industry, I feel like from a creative standpoint, education doesn't always translate to results, right? There's a lot of very highly educated people in our field that do very well, but there's also a lot of very highly educated people in our field that really struggle um, because it is so results-based and a lot of the education around marketing is theory-based. And so it becomes this application problem that people have of how do you actually translate that into a result for a client that's measurable. Do you do you think you ended up like missing out on anything because of that or not necessarily? Well, I think I definitely missed out on a traditional college experience, right? And that's something, you know, that my fiance and I talk about pretty pretty often as we, you know, potentially look at having kids in the future. Are are we gonna be open to them taking like my path because she took a traditional path and had that more traditional college experience and she values that a lot. And so, you know, that's something that I didn't ever get, but I made up for it in all these other unique experiences of, you know, traveling all over the country at, in my like 20, early twenties and going to all these places and doing all these projects, which to me is more valuable than, um, you know, being on campus or whatever. Yeah, I actually think there's a pretty big lesson in there because um, I also, you know, I think I left the job world a little too early to start my first company. And I think you, the the reason it was such an easier decision for you is because you already kind of had potential revenue or revenue in the door. Like it wasn't like, a, let me do this so I can see if this works. It was like, this is already kind of working. Let me, you know, see if I can get it to the next level. And I think there's a huge and a very clear difference. It's not like, you know, you sit near a line and you're like, you know, is, am I ready? Am I not? If you're, if you're asking that question, you're, it's probably not the right time. Then you should probably stay in school or something, but it sounds like you were just in a better opportunity, I guess, or, or, uh, you already were testing that opportunity. Um, and that made an easier decision. So, uh, glad we kind of talked about that for a second. Um, yeah. Okay. Now, so I want to take a step back. Well, I guess, well, I guess technically chronologically it's forward and, and can you tell us a little bit more about the company, um, and how it started? Yeah, absolutely. So in my experience um, on the photography side and consulting, uh, I kind of fell into some just general marketing work where I'd shoot product photography for a company and they then needed packaging design or they needed uh, look and feel. And I've always been somebody who just raises my hand that says, yes, I can do that. Absolutely. Right. Whether I can or not, I I have enough confidence that I'm going to figure it out. And so going through that a couple of times, I started to get more of that type of work just as, uh, as a consultant. And so in that process, I started getting exposed to other marketing agencies. Um, and by and large, I found that 
very distasteful, <laughs> which obviously is maybe not the what some of the listeners might want to hear. But um, it, it was high friction. It was you know big ego. It was a lot of people in a meeting not necessarily providing value to the client, and it just felt like everything was an uphill battle uh, through the snow uh, at night, right? And so as I started to think about do I want to be just a photographer? Do I want to do just video? Um, it quickly, I quickly realized, okay, there's a bigger opportunity here. So if I start a company that um, does things differently, that um, puts you know clients completely first from a customer service standpoint, uh, no ego, um, you know, very vertically integrated, and able to work with any part of the company, right? Because so many agencies are all or nothing. You either use us for everything, or we don't work with you. Um, and so I saw a big opportunity to do something really different. Um, and that was the genesis of what then became FPW Media. You know, when I started to realize that and started to sort of workshop that, I didn't have the full idea of what FPW today is. That somewhat evolved based on trying things and opportunity and listening to clients on what they wanted. But I knew I wanted to start, you know, a creative company with photo video focus and then see where it would expand from. What's what's the difference between, you know, how you started and where you're at now? Yeah. So when we started, we were photography and video only. And that was just based on my core skill set. That was what I felt most confident in. Um, and then very quickly, like within maybe the first year, we started getting requests to do brand design, logo design, all that. And so we very quickly brought on contractors to help you know, supplement our internal skill. Um, I had, you know, a couple of people who were helping me, I think, part time slash half volunteer in the beginning. Um, one of them is still with me, um, and is one of our executive directors now. Um, so I, I always tell him it worked out. That was a good investment on his end. But uh, we had a lot of help in the beginning, right? Because it was just uh, figure it out and, and go from there. But it, you know, it obviously worked out. When did you figure that you needed to kind of like start expanding your team outside of yourself, whether it's a contractor, full-time employee, like what was either the moment or the project like that you thought, okay, maybe it got too big. I kind of need some help. Yeah. So we first, for a while, it was just out of my house, right? There was a lot of, I'll, I'll meet you at, I'll meet you at your office, you know, trying to make sure that clients didn't know that we didn't have an office. Oh, yeah. Um, well, that's okay. Box. remote, right? That's uh... exactly. Yeah. This was way before that, that the zoom meeting was even a thing. Right. Um, and, and so we got to a point where we had enough traction that I had six months of rent. And so I signed an, a, 12 month lease. And I was like, okay, I've got six months on this studio space and we'll figure out the other six months when we get there. Right. Which was terrifying, but I, you know, believed that we could do it. And so we had, when we first moved in, we had like two desks in this huge warehouse and a, we painted a wall black and that was it. Um, and it was pretty bare bones. And then there was no really one moment. It's just these desks, more desks started to appear as time went on, right? And it was a lot of hard work to get it there, but it wasn't like there was one tip over moment. It was just slowly every day taking another step. And obviously we got very lucky, but it was just perseverance of following up, following up, following up and pursuing any opportunity that came our way. So how did you guys or you uh, get your first customer? 
So this is an embarrassing fact. I can't tell you exactly what our first customer was. And the reason for that is because of how we started, right? I brought some of my consulting clients in and all of that. But I, I have a story that I tell about our first, one of our very first large customers. Um, and I tell it to my team often uh, for a very specific lesson, which is, you know, pursue, pursue opportunity. So I got wind that um, a potential client in our area um, might be interested in switching some of their photo video work to somebody else, that they were dissatisfied with who they were using. And so I found out that their director of marketing at the time was really into cigars. And so I would show up to his office unannounced, whether he would see me or not, or I'd leave it with the receptionist uh, with a nice cigar every single month. And I did that for 13 months before I got any traction. And it sounds like stalkerish almost, right? But it worked out. So one day at, it was a Friday at 6 p.m., he calls me and he says, okay, Owen, I need you at, the, at my house tomorrow, 6 a.m. We have a shoot all day Saturday. Be here at this time and, and we'll go. And this was like less than 12 hours notice. I was there, did the shoot. It went really well. And we've worked with that client ever since. That's, uh, that's incredible. Um, do you have any other, did you do anything anywhere close to that with other customers? Or, yeah, or I mean, any I, potential customers that you were just going for and didn't end up getting? Yeah. So I would say that a lot of our really large you know, partner accounts, we have pursued for a long period of time, right? I think that rightfully so, the CMOs, the director of marketing, they want to know somebody really wants to work with them. They have so much choice. And this is something that I tell my staff and tell anybody in our industry is you're replaceable at the at the really the drop of a dime. Because what we do is offered by so many different people. But it's can you offer a full package? Can you provide above and beyond customer service? Can you provide some differentiator that is worthwhile to that person and makes their job easier? And so I think it's natural for them to want people who want who really want to pursue them. Um, have I sent cigars to anybody else? No. Have I have followed you said anything? up? Have, have you sent anything oh, yeah. to Like what? What Absolutely. else? Oh, gift gift baskets, wine, um, clothing, anything that I find out that somebody likes, right? I'll send it to them as a touch point. Um, I like Super I Bowl that, too, by the way. Ah, yes. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> I think as do most, right? Um, exactly. So it's just a lost, I, I find, you know, that type of business relationship making is kind of a lost art, right? People used to do that a lot, right? When things were at a slower pace, um, it was more important to build those type of relationships. And I think there's a huge opportunity, especially now with how everything is Zoom based. You know, we still fly and go visit our key clients, even though we don't need to, right? And we do that oftentimes on our dime um, because it's so important to build that relationship, that in person relationship, take them out to lunch, take them out to drinks, um, and really understand what their wants and needs are at a deeper level. Um, so that we can make sure that we are partnering with them, right? Our average client engagement is well over four years. Um, and we like it that way. We love project work too, but uh, you know, our whole ethos is how can we partner and really understand and be a, an extension of the client's uh, own team. 
And maybe, I, I don't know if that's how you get most of your customers, but my next question is going to be, how do you guys get new customers? Because I forget where in my notes, but like you guys have hundreds of customers, I think. So how do you guys get new customers now? Like what's the most common tactic that you use? Yeah. So we we serve anywhere from like 50 to 100 active clients at any given time. That's kind of our current, um, you know, size that we can handle. And we try to constrain that where where we need to so that we're always offering a certain level of service. Um, but we've been fortunate enough that we've grown through referrals. Like 95% of our net new business is referrals from existing clients, um, which is incredible. I think that that is best case scenario, right? It's not always possible depending on you know what market you're in or, or whatever it may be. Um, but I always think that the best best marketing that we can do for ourselves is to do a really good job for our clients. Because then when they're speaking to their peers, they'll mention us. And and that's been something that's been huge for our growth. That's that's interesting because it's a pretty, I guess you could call it wide range of, of clients. And obviously it's not as easy to, let's say, like hire and fire employees as it is not to get customers, but like that number will fluctuate and it's just not as easy to match the employee level with the number of customers. Um, so the question there is, you know, like, what is your thought on contractors? Like, what is your full-time contractor split? Can you just kind of talk in any direction that you want to go on that one? Yeah. So we are, I think, a little bit unique in that we try to in-house almost everything that we do. Our whole value proposition is that we're vertically integrated. So even down to having our own embroidery machines to do logo merchandise, like, you know, you're, you're wearing a screen printed shirt. I have the screen print uh, equipment in my facility to do that. That's something that we used to contract out. So our whole philosophy is, you know, to, to learn if it's a new service offering, we find a good partner. We learn how to, how to do it from them. And then we either look to acquire what they're doing, uh, acquire their business, or bring all of those services in into our facility and our employees. Um, so at any given time, you know, we're about ninety percent our team, ten percent contractors, and that ten percent is either to supplement uh, a skill set, a specialty skill set that just doesn't make sense for us to bring on full time, uh, or to supplement so that we can. Uh, manage those peaks and valleys. Um, and then also, lastly, uh, off off hours contracting, so we're able to run more consistently, right? So that we're having some of the lower level work, less strategic work done um, when our team goes home. So then what, uh, now getting to hiring, um, because obviously it sounds like, I, I know hiring and management is, is pretty important to you. What is the most difficult thing that you run into when hiring? <laughs> Where do I start? I think that that's, that's the hard, honestly that's the hardest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the hardest part of running a business, right? Is you know the business is only as strong as your weakest link. Um, and for us, we want to be so radically different than other agencies, other and our peers, um, because belie we believe that that's what our clients come to us for: is that we are different, and that we're going to do things differently. Um, and the, the very first point of that difference is our level of customer service, that we are a yes company that, you know, one of our slogans is we make the impossible possible on a daily basis for our incredible clients, right? It's a really powerful statement, but you have to have people who believe that 
and who are willing to execute that on a daily basis under a lot of stress and be um, fed by that work, right? And be excited by taking something and pulling a rabbit out of the hat um, on a regular basis, which is not easy. And so I think that, you know, in the past couple of years, what we've started refining is really hiring people based on personality and being confident enough that we can train up any sort of skill deficiency that they may have, and maybe passing over some of the people that have a little bit more experience or on paper seem like they would, you know, be a little bit better fit if personality wise, they don't seem like they're going to, you know, be the right fit for us. And that's been really powerful. Um, and also looking outside in, of our industries, right? So I just brought in uh, relatively uh, a, a new COO um, to help run the business operations. But I intentionally brought that person in from from not our industry. I wanted somebody who has experience outside of our industry for you know a set of very specific reasons. And we've done really well historically of finding people who are either industry adjacent or completely different industry and then training them on our way of doing things. Do you have a quick or not so quick story about a bad hire and what you learned and what you now do to avoid hiring someone like that? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll speak in general generalities, right? Or else my uh, HR team will kill me. Yeah, but, absolutely. <laughs> um, some of the lessons that I've learned, I think the hard way is to really be careful when you see people start making it personal, right? I think that almost every time when we've had a, a employee situation not work out is that there's just been this mismatch of understanding expectations, lack of clarity. Um, and, and so in, in navigating that, where I think that we as a younger company have gone wrong is it starts to feel personal on both sides. And it's not, right? At the end of the day, it shouldn't be anyway. Um, but when you're a small company, you don't have an HR department, you don't have some of these checks and balances, I think it's easy to, um, you know, run it like a family. And at the end of the day, you know, we talk about family, that's important, but it's, it's, it's a business first. And there needs to be these set of, of guidelines and expectations and um, a flow to what we do that I think when you're a 15 person company is really hard to do. Um, and you have to get a little bit bigger, you know, we're at 50 over 50 now, and it, you know, it's starting to feel like a little bit more, um, regimented and we have these processes in place and we're also, um, giving more support to our leaders. Right. So I think that one of the areas that where we've really, um, gone awry in the past is we haven't offered enough support to our leaders. So that's been a focus, you know, over the last few years, as we continue to scale, for myself and the executive team is how do we make sure that our our managers and our other leaders in the organization are prepared and and armed with um, the tools that they need to be successful and then in turn to make their team as successful as possible. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's great. So a few questions uh, that I tend to ask at the end. Um, if you had to teach something to other marketers, what would it be? Customer service. So. What I, what I always talk about with our team members when they come on board is um, if they've ever had the experience of staying at a nice resort or a luxury hotel, um, and that that experience starts when you, well, before you book, really, but let's talk about when you get there, right? You walk in these grand doors, 
and you walk up to a counter and there's this well put together smiling person who's welcoming you and is going to tell you about how your room is the best room on the property that you've ever been in whether that is exactly true or not i'm not you know you who knows but you leave that experience you get your key you're walking to the elevator and you're like wow this is incredible and then you get to the room and any want or need you may have is just that phone call away. You pick up that phone, you want food, sure. You want uh, clothes, you want whatever. It, it can be delivered to your room. And so that analogy is how I want our clients to feel, right? Um, we had a phone issue yesterday. And part of uh, like half of our company cell phones were down. And so I'm texting a couple key clients saying, hey, please call the office number if you need anything. And I got three responses from three of our three biggest clients saying, I didn't even know you had an office number. And to me, that's great. That means that they have the cell phone numbers of the people that they deal with, and that's who they call, and they never have to try to get in touch with our office. And so to me, that's really powerful because ultimately our value to them is to allow them to sell more, to hire more people, to have a larger economic impact, and to be this net multiplier in their communities and in their industry. And if we're not doing that, if we're making that hard in any way, we're failing. And I think that that's so often overlooked is the, is the um, level of customer service that somebody needs to be able to get you on the phone. They need you to be there for them and, and do what you need to do, right? Um, we're, we're all skilled marketers, right? At the end of the day, if you're competent, you're, you're a skilled marketer and you know how to do what I know how to do for the most part. But the differentiator is how we do it, right? How do we execute that? How fast and, and in what way, right? Is it a pleasant experience for the client? Yeah, no, that's, that, that, was, that was very nice. Um, what do you enjoy talking about the most that you normally don't get an opportunity to talk about? That can be marketing, business, could be anything. Not not business. Yeah, um, I I think that oftentimes we don't get the opportunity to talk about what do we do to be good at our job outside of our job, right? Because I think that's really really important. Um, and so for me, as strange as it sounds, I love to garden. Something that my fiance and I do together. It's incredibly humbling because it's really really freaking hard. Um, you know, those plants just don't grow unless you make them grow. Um, and so, you know, getting all dirty, being out in the, it's a very humbling because, you know, uh, all day you're making these, these big decisions and you have these, the weight of all of your clients on your shoulders. And then you go home and you're like, my lettuce died. This is, this is life. This is just soul crushing, right? How are we going to do it? I want this little lettuce to grow. Um, but it brings you back to reality. It brings you back to being a human and, and, Put it, you know, putting your hands in the dirt and being outside. And so for me, I think everybody has something that's different, right? But that's like one of my things that I do um, to, to ground myself. Because at the end of the day, we're not, we're not saving people. We're not working in the ER. But I think in marketing specifically, it's so charged. It's so high stress. It feels like that sometimes. But we're not. And so we need to do things outside of the office that bring us back to that reality so that when we come to work the next day, um, you know, we're smiling, we're ready for the challenge and we're excited by the challenge. Not just like, Oh man, I got to do this again. 
I, uh, I also love gardening and I had that as a note, uh, and I had no idea how I was going to be able to get gardening into this episode. Uh, so thank you for, for <laughs> making that your answer. Uh, currently, I don't know if it's a first, but I'm sure it doesn't happen very no, no, often. No, I try to bring it up every time. If, if, you, have a plant, <laughs> if you have a plant behind you in, in like on the call, you better believe I'm going to bring it up, whether it's this call or another call or whatever. Uh, so I, I currently have a few cucumbers and jalapenos going, uh, starting a bunch of other seats. So I, boy, do I hear you on that one. Um, are you guys hiring any positions right now? We're, we're always hiring. That's my, that's my response. I think that regardless of whether we have a posted position or not, I am always looking for somebody with the right skill set. Yeah, no, I, I think that I kind of usually say that about developers. Um, you know, any company that, has any sort of budget to hire uh, should always be, you know, put developers on on their website because they're few and far between the good ones. And if you can get one, just keep them and try to keep them as long as possible. So I think you're saying that not just developers, but really anyone, uh, especially marketers. Um, last question. Any, I know you, you like to read a new book each week, I believe you mentioned. Um, any book or podcast recommendations that can be, again, marketing, business, fiction, anything you want. Absolutely. So I'm finishing reading uh, The Bonfire of the Vanities right now by Tom Wolfe, which is a fiction book. Um, and what I really love about it is the um, vocabulary that they use, right? This is a book that was written a while ago. It covers some really interesting uh, parallels to some things that have happened in our society recently, uh, but through a, a lens of the past. So it's a little dated. Um, but, but the way that they speak in that book is, uh, so much more sophisticated than how we speak now. Um, and it's, it's just a really interesting, uh, lens into a different time. So I like to read one, um, nonfiction book, one business book, and then one fiction book that can be about anything. And I alternate between those two, um, but, but generally speaking, when I'm looking at the fiction-based books, I'm looking for something that is either um, historical uh, or you know, a, a literary classic um, where I can. Uh, any good business side books that you've read recently or not recently? Uh, one of my favorites, I, I'm not thinking of one that I've read recently, which that's you know, not, not the best, but uh, one of my absolute favorites is The Big Short. Um, yeah. I, I think that there's something just so poetic about somebody who's willing to bet against everybody and be right. Um, that's something that I connect with a lot because I've, in my career so far, I've been told a lot, this is why you can't do what you're doing, or this is why you shouldn't do it that way. And so I definitely have a chip on my shoulder about that. So to read books about somebody else who, in a much bigger sense, had that same conviction and was able to execute on it. If there's next episode, I'd like to dive into that chip on your shoulder. But um, by the way, both of those movie or books were made into movies. Uh, so who knows yes. if you're actually reading the books? We 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 that's that's uh, yet to be seen. Uh, <laughs> uh, and also, as we come up to the end of the episode, I just want to give you an opportunity to mention how people can find you and anything else you'd like to end with. Awesome. Yeah, so if people want to connect, um, I'm on all the major socials uh, just with the handle uh, at Owen Garrity uh, and then owengarrity.com and then for anything uh, company-related, fpwmedia.com. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for being on the show. And for those of you who learned something new from the episode, 
please consider giving us a like or a follow so we can continue getting the highest quality of guests. And as always, thank you for listening. Really appreciate it, Owen. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for listening to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. I hope got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. DevNoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com, where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.